episode 368 the way of effortless mindfulness lock kelly the awaken your alpha podcast live limitless i'm adam lewis walker host of awaken your alpha the number one men's development podcast for inspirational stories and strategies to thrive as a man as a coach, keynote speaker, and best-selling author, it has been my mission going on four years on the podcast to bring you the best, the very best, the struggles, the action, and to share the real journey with you. Please subscribe to support the show through ayalpha.com forward slash book. This episode is sponsored by TEDxCelerator. If you do want to do a TEDx talk, and that is something on your list for 2019 or even 2020, TEDxCelerator.com, that's T E D. X-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. I know it's a mouthful. It'd be on the show notes. Amplify your message, enhance your impact, and ultimately income as well. Please do go and check it out. Get to the podcast. Okay, we have a really brilliant one this week. This is really fits with the show. It's all about the way of effortless mindfulness. We have Locke Kelly on the line. He is a meditation teacher and psychotherapist, an award-winning author of Shifting to Freedom and his newest book, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness. So I'm, I'm, I'm up for this one big time today. I met Locke at the National Publicity Summit. He's a great guy. Uh, firstly, Locke, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Sure I am. Yeah, glad to be here, Adam. Awesome. So that was a very brief introduction, but I, you know, it's, it has some good stuff in there. But is there anything else you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? <clears throat> Well, um, this book, uh, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness, is an opportunity uh, for us to realize that we have a kind of natural flow state available to us, what's been called awakening in the wisdom traditions of the world um, is actually accessible uh, through you know, studies and through neuroscience and psychology. We've come to really uh, find that uh, our greatest potential uh, for happiness, for um, maximal uh, capacity of our minds is available uh, with short little exercises. Awesome. I mean, yeah, look, I'm obviously reading through the book, there's going to be lots of practical tips in this episode. And I yeah. have to add the tagline to the book as well. It's revolutionary guide to a living and awakened life. So it's, uh, you know, it's lots of things I want to dive into. So, I mean, firstly, how did you get into this, this line of work? Can you tell us a, sort of briefly your origins? Where are you originally from um, and where are you based now? Sure, yes. Uh, I grew up in the New York City area, New Jersey. Um, and how I got into it, interestingly, uh, even though what I'm teaching is meditation, uh, is through sports. I was actually uh, playing a lot of sports in school. I had a little uh, dyslexia, some ADD. Um, so I was smart, but I couldn't quite feel like I could write or get things down out easily. Mm -hmm. um, so, but in sports and music, um, everything was easier. And I heard a, a broadcaster say about a, a quarterback, he's got eyes in the back of his head. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, I kind of know what that is. What is that? And I started playing with my own awareness where I opened it up kind of like opening your peripheral vision when you drive a car. And then I continued around to the side and then all the way around as if my awareness could open up in this way, just to feel awareness all the way around. And then I dropped into my body. And all of a sudden, uh, within moments, I was in a flow state and I could move and feel connected to everyone. So I started practicing that uh, 
intentionally, and then I was playing ice hockey goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, blimey, you need some awareness for that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be, be yeah. like a... So I would do this thing, and, and one of my friends said, uh, you know, uh, wow, that was an amazing game. How did you do that? And I kind of said, you really want to know? Open a can of worms here. Open a can of worms. So I, I kind of explained this, you know, opening awareness around and dropping it in my body and how I did it. And he kind of just stood there with his mouth open and went, oh, cool. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then uh, a senior on the team uh, came the next practice and threw me a book, uh, Zen and the Art of Archery. Mm. And so that was kind of like, oh, wow, there's people who do this intentionally and it has something to do with kind of practical life. And so I read up on that and it just took me into Zen and to meditation and to uh, coaching sports and to um, applying this to all the areas of my life. That's awesome. I mean, I'll sometimes I was like, who helped wake your alpha? Was there an awakening moment? I mean, it's all, all packed into there. That's brilliant. So, I want to talk about, you know, Effortless Mindfulness, which is obviously your new, newest book. What, what exactly do you mean by that? And I know there's the, sort of the five foundations to Effortless Mindfulness. So can you talk to us a bit about that concept? Yes. So um, I think most people have heard of mindfulness meditation. Uh, it's really becoming like the fourth pillar of health with eating right, exercise, and sleeping well. And then mindfulness during the day, uh, you know, short meditations have been studied and shown to be very effective. Um, And so when I went uh, on a fellowship in graduate school to Sri Lanka, India, and Nepal, I practiced what I call deliberate mindfulness, which is what most people call mindfulness, where you sit and kind of focus on your breath, and then you watch your thoughts come and go. Um, and then I went up to um, Nepal and met this Tibetan teacher who said, oh, well, there's deliberate mindfulness and there's effortless mindfulness. Let me show you. And he, he within three minutes, uh, showed me how to move my awareness to realize that there was this kind of spacious embodied awareness, very similar to the way I felt in that flow state. Um, and within that short amount of time, I felt the same way as I did at the end of a 10-day retreat. Oh, wow. Yes. So the premise is that we have this already awake, kind of spacious, embodied awareness, but we've been trained to kind of focus from this one-pointed attentional, as if we have a small sense of self in the middle of our heads looking out of our eyes. Mm. And that actually when we do things we love, like walking in nature, playing sports, music, uh, being uh, walking to the top of a mountain, uh, we relax that little point of view. We open so we feel interconnected with everyone and everything. And we feel like we have an open mind and an open heart. And that is actually not just a state, but it's actually an operating system that wisdom traditions have called awakening. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear are you in are you in New York City at the moment, Paul? That's right. I'm in New yeah, York. So. We get, this is the podcast. We get the, the local sounds. You just hear a police car in the background. You might think that was awesome. So, so that's the that's the point is that it's you know, I do it in the middle of, of New York City. Yeah. I um you know, and I have been in these fMRI machines to show that the brain can shift into this balanced, uh embodied, calm, but not just calm but interesting with this awakened alpha, 
it's also this gamma waves, which are these creative, fun-loving, uh, joyous, um, alive uh, qualities. Um, <clears throat> so learning how to do that uh, in the middle of, you know, the subway on New York City is possible. Awesome. So yes, yeah, so someone listening who's you know is, is on who's on board with sort of mindfulness and meditation and more practices the deliberate mindfulness. What would you say some of the practical shifts to even just start opening their mind to sort of this variation? Yeah. So I mean, I can mention a few things, but certainly uh, you know I go through it step by step. Mm -hmm. uh, and just to say that having taught deliberate mindfulness and effortless mindfulness, it takes about the same amount of time to learn yeah. either. But effortless is kind of uh, the advanced yet simpler form, and so uh, that's why I wrote this book. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it may, yeah, maybe easy to explain it through sort of the, the five foundations of the effortless yeah. mindfulness. Yeah, so um, in some ways, uh, one simple way to say it is uh, when you do deliberate mindfulness, you kind of close your attention down, almost like you concentrate. So it's like putting blinders on, Yeah, and you're trying to kind of, be calm and actually what's happening is you're actually repressing half of your brain. You're actually going into a task mode network and you're repressing this kind of creative open mind. So in effortless mindfulness, uh, you feel like you open your awareness to, from thinking to hearing and then almost like you're opening your awareness to the space in the room. You take a breath. And then it's almost as if you're aware from that space in the room, from this open mind, from this open heart, back to this kind of feeling of being, having more space, more uh, connection. Uh, so just this movement of your awareness to open, to be aware from a kind of spacious uh, field of awareness is something that people do naturally when they uh, when they walk in nature and do other things. I was going to say because I, I generally practice my mindfulness by going for a walk, or you know, in, in yeah. outside and that sort of thing. And I, you know, for me to sit still, I can do it, but it, yeah. it, it feels a bit more like that. It's too kind of controlled or just you know, I don't know, like deliberate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it kind of closes you down. There's a you know, there's a reason traditionally deliberate mindfulness is the preparation the first steps to kind of uh, calm your mind and soothe your body. But there's many people who just can't even do that concentration. And it's not actually necessary. If you learn to open your awareness, you can do it while you're sitting, while you're walking, uh, while you're at your desk, look out the window. Um, and then from there, you feel like you've not just calmed yourself, but you literally have shifted your point of view, where you're aware from is this kind of open, free, uh, creative uh, dimension of consciousness that uh, is available to each of us. We just have never learned how to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I say there's certain things in the book that, that jumped out at me and I thought, oh, I've got to ask about that. And it sounds like we may have covered it there, but how to do not doing. Have right. we just covered pieces of that or is there anything else <laughs> around that? Because I love that uh, sort of chapter title. Yes. So, so one of, one of these things is that we, you know, there's a lot of uh, what we've learned and the way we've learned things that we have to do it. We have to memorize things. We go to school, but there's a sense of being that's already here, a sense of um, being that we can do from 
if we just relax. Um, so uh, what has called the flow state or being in the zone is actually an optimal functioning state that athletes report, uh, musicians who are playing in an orchestra, but pretty much anyone uh, who does an activity when you're enjoying it, when you don't have to look to thought, when you don't have to kind of create a little ego, when you're just being and trusting this sense of, uh, of like knowing something by heart or it becomes second nature, there's a feeling of, of relaxing into a flow um, and then you don't create a doer <clears throat> that is kind of driving you. You feel like you can drop into, um, you know, when you're still or sitting, it's kind of a stillness or a silence or a sense of being. But even when you're moving or you're relating, there's a feeling that you don't have to do it, that there's some um, greater optimal mind or open heart or flow that isn't doesn't have to have a commentator or a judge or a driver of the car. It, it's a, it's a self-driving vehicle. Yeah. Awesome. And linked to that, I suppose, what, uh, four postures of dynamic stillness. I really like yes. the sound of that. And I'm <laughs> like, Oh, I like that. So you know, it's just about that concept. Yeah. So that, that's, um, so that's uh, also kind of this transition f between stillness and movement. So, Often when we try to do deliberate mindfulness, we try to sit still, don't move. You know, you know, some people even believe, well, you know, try to stop your thoughts or, you know, don't do anything, just do this one thing. So dynamic stillness is being aware of what is, and what is, is both the space all around, but it's also your breath, which is moving. It's your, uh, it's the stillness, of your body, but then it's also the dynamic energy of thought, um, sensation, and uh, anything that's moving that can come and go. And if we allow this, uh, we don't try to be still or, tr or try to identify with what's moving, there becomes this kind of, oh, okay, stillness and movement are both here, and I'm the awareness that's aware of both but it's dynamic and relaxing and not taking me for a ride. Yeah. And you, you talked about, you know, the ultimate flow state and being in the zone. When yeah. we talk about that, that sort of concept, what period in your life or what a time when you was really pictures for you being in the, that sort of zone, that state yourself, what, what sort of scenario flows to mind when it all came together for you? Yeah, I mean, I gave that first example, but you probably, interestingly enough, um, writing this book, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So my first book, uh, Shift into Freedom, took me 10 years to write because wow. I was writing, um, I was trying to take all of the kind of wisdom traditions from Asia mm. and, um, you know, develop a contemporary language and a new practical um way of doing it and kind of reverse engineering these advanced practices mm -hmm. and putting, testing them out with my students and uh, trying to make it uh, available. Um, and then the second book uh, took me nine months to write because oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I had, I had trusted, I had started trusting. 
okay, well, you know, if I'm going to write about effortless mindfulness, maybe I should write it from effortless mindfulness. And so I I literally (laughs) trusted that, you know, all this information, which you think, oh, I've got to edit this and think about that. Am I going to use this? I said, okay, just trust that it's all going to flow out of you. And there's an intelligence that's organizing it and just start at the beginning, make a little outline and then just fill it in and go back and edit it. And you're done. That's perfect. I just yeah. love it. And improving the concept of good. What a nice <laughs> approach book. Well, I like the sound of that because my first book and it's sort of taking all these ideas from like a lot of interviews all together took me, you know, four or five years. Yeah. I haven't started the second one, but I like that. That's a good sign. I think the second one, yeah. It's the only way I could approach it. Just let it go. <laughs> awesome. Just trust. You you've got you've got all the information and and you just have to, you know, let this intelligence, which I call um kind of open-hearted awareness or heart mind. So it's almost like you're not operating from your head and thinking about thinking. You literally feel like you open to this greater intelligence and then drop from head to heart. Um, And it's almost like there's this um, heart space that feels um, like it's organizing your body and your local information, but it has a creative uh, feel to it. Awesome. And we can't forget, you did the hard yards with your first book, you know, you put in the, right. <laughs> the foundational stuff. That's awesome. it. And I like that. Sort of when was the time, you know, we talk about sort of this mindfulness and being in the zone and, you know, mm-hmm. in some nice scenarios, walking up mountains and, you know, in, and all of it sounds lovely. So when, you know, when you really need it, because this is good to practice in good, yeah. you know, situations like when it was a really challenging either day, situation, time of your life, when you really needed sort of the, the concepts that you, you practice now or, you know, a challenging time for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so um, just to say that, um, you know, not only am I a meditation teacher, but a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. And so I've applied this from the beginning to work with people who are, you know, just everything from um, coming out of psychiatric hospitals to, um, you know, to normal people in psychotherapy. Um, but, the research that we've done has showed that not only is this kind of natural effortless mindfulness available to, um, you know, to people who are, you know, used to be thought that you'd have to be like an Olympic athlete of meditation to kind of get into this, or you have to do the first stages of deliberate first. But what we found is that people can shift into it immediately uh, people with complex trauma, and then that's actually what they need. Um, so, I mean, my first experience of it was uh, kind of a period of time after my father died of cancer. Mm. And so yeah. I was, uh, you know, I was feeling like I was hit pretty hard. He had an operation, then got better, then then passed away fairly suddenly. And I, you know, just felt like very heavy. Mm. And one night I walked out of... Uh, you know, on kind of a winter night and felt like there was a, you know, one of my inner voices said to me, oh, I don't know if you could take this much longer. Mm. And then somehow this awareness looked up as if like, what was that? Or who said that? And it opened up literally out of my, into the spacious night sky. And I felt like I just kept going similar to what I've been talking about opening awareness up. And then I felt connected to this, you know, kind of vast, open presence of space and the universe and life itself 
that gave me more capacity. And then it felt like um, I had, you know, more, more love and I started laughing and crying and kind of released this feeling of uh, being um, over, overburdened. Um, and so, you know, it's, and then I realized, oh, this is the same principles that I've been doing, um, opening awareness to the sky and then feeling like this spaciousness is embodied and interconnected. And it gave me, um, you know, tremendous sense of support and, um, and that, so that I wasn't so small and contracted and, um, and burdened and had to keep it all in. I, you know, was able to then talk to other people and, um, you know, go through a kind of natural grief process. Yeah. And for you know, people listening in who maybe are in, you know, a similar sort of spot or just feeling like crap or just overwhelmed or just stressed, um, obviously you can take a lot from what you, you said there. Are there any sort of practical steps and it may be individual, there may be some, some sort of general advice you can give if someone's listening to this and obviously the, the mic is yours. If there's any, any, cause obviously audio is always good as well for this sort of thing. Yeah. Is there any sort of steps you want to talk people through or at least that initial start to kind of to get out of the funk or start to do that? Yes. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, one of, so the two, the two ways that people tend to find um, that they feel some relief are, you know, curiously, you could even just try this, uh, but feel your normal sense of center, which is usually in the middle of your head, looking out of your eyes and just feel like you're trying to even listen to what I'm saying and try to understand. And there may be a doubting part that's saying, well, I'm not sure exactly what he's saying. It sounds really interesting, but I don't know if I could do it. And that kind of feeling. So if you felt like awareness could uh, let go of thought, almost like that thought is, when it loops on itself, ends up making us feel like I think, therefore I am, and we feel like a thinker, but we're actually a whole being. Uh, so if awareness could literally um, unhook from thought and open into the space in the room, and just not look to thought, but just let awareness feel space in which sound is coming and going. And then just take a nice deep breath. And as you breathe out, feel as if you stay open, like you have an open mind or an open view, and then just feel like curiously as if you can be aware from that space back to include your body below your neck. So you have this feeling of open mind and open heart. And now just be aware of thoughts, feelings, sensations, and sights and sounds from this more spacious and pervasive, open, effortless mindfulness. Just notice that the awareness that's aware doesn't need your help. that you're aware from an effortless awareness that could focus on something or could focus on something else, but you're kind of feeling back to that awareness that's always aware without your help and then just kind of resting and being aware from there to feel back 
and to notice, to look out. And just getting a feel for this effortless mindfulness that's naturally here all the time. Awesome. Just love a little yeah. taste of that sort of stuff. I love, love, <laughs> love it. <laughs> it's quality. The alpha round start wrapping things up. And I, yeah. you mentioned a book right near the start of the show. I think you just handed that in the early days. But is there a particular book that was really impactful for you or a book that you recommend to people? Most of the books I recommend um, are written in Tibetan or like, like uh, you know, from these wisdom traditions, which yeah. some of them have beautiful poetry. Like, you know, you can read the... Lao Tzu or the Tao Te Ching, which is talking about this flow and effortless way of life, or these other texts that I've kind of tried to um, synthesize yeah. into my book. Uh, you can read uh, some of the research by, uh, on flow states by Csikszentmihalyi, uh, but um, I, would, I would recommend that you, you take a look, and if you look at my book, Effortless, Mindfulness, you'll see I refer, it, once you become interested in a certain chapter or a certain thing, I'll I give you some references, but uh, see which one. The main thing is that it's really about experiential practice. Yeah. And that it's simpler than you think, and it's more available than you might believe for you. And that that's my main thesis, is that awakening is a next natural stage of human development it's within each of us equally and can be accessed once we learn simple tools. And we talked about mindfulness and that some, there's lots of habits we talked about, but is there sort of a crucial habit of your daily life within that? And it could be something your own specific experimental, like just your own take on it or something you do, something that's yes. sort of essential habit for your daily life. Sure. Yeah. So the, the thing is that I, it's not the sitting meditation. It's learning what I call small glimpses many times during the day. Mm -hmm. So once, once I learn how to move my awareness and drop it from head to heart, open it to the space, bring it back to navigate my own consciousness, what I do is literally these one minute, three minute, five minute shifts of awareness, which I call small glimpses, mm -hmm. many times during the day. And what they do is they kind of reboot the whole computer and give you the feeling of a long meditation retreat within minutes. So that's the best habit. And that's kind of the main thing I, I teach. Awesome. And another thing you touched on in your book, towards the end you mentioned traps and detours. I wanted to yes. ask you about that because I think, I feel like we're all going to, you know, fall, maybe bad habits or fall out of maybe ideal practices that don't help us. Yeah. I mean, I have very, you know, kind of humorous, funny little titles of, of these uh, uh, detours. So one is kind of uh, that sometimes in mindfulness, you kind of develop this, um, mindful witness, which is detached from your body. So as if you are too attached and then you develop this deliberate mindfulness, you become uh, this observer or this witness. So I, one of the traps is don't get caught in the witness protection program, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of being disembodied observer of your life, which you lose the juiciness and mm. you lose the kind of relatedness um, of that first stage of mindfulness. Definitely. Um, and from your network, who do you think would make a great interview for Awaken Your Alpha? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of people I would say. Um, 
one of my colleagues, uh, a guy named Adi Ashanti, who teaches, uh, teaches some similar things to me, but he was a, you know, bicycle racer and, uh, okay. you know, had some uh, similar kind of experiences as a, just a regular guy who had this kind of spontaneous awakening. And, and, and this is, you know, kind of shows that we all have this capacity and it's just a matter of learning simple tools. Awesome. Um, and I want to ask you about your thoughts around sort of fear and how yeah. people approach fear, the dealing with yes. fear and how mindfulness plays into that. Or, you know, you, just in general, what are your thoughts on fear and how you handle that in a daily life to, you know, go and achieve things or sure. maybe you haven't gone done how it's affected you in a negative way as well. Yeah. So this is the thing is that um, effortless mindfulness, what it does is, it doesn't just kind of clear up the cloud of the mind. You know, most of us are like in this cloud trying to not be fearful, try to be positive thinking, mm -hmm. use these, you know, mental tools, um, which can be helpful to some degree. But the key is we have to go to the root of who are we. So when we're caught in this small animal self, uh, this thinker, um, we're going to always be uh, looking to the past and feeling depressed looking to the future and feeling anxious and in the present we're going to be a little fearful what's going on how am I doing and when you open to this uh, more natural sense of being who you are and feel what's called the ground of being um, you drop into more of awareness-based sense of self and um, immediately uh, you're in the now and there's nothing to worry about now so the root of fear is kind of this small self projecting itself into the future, worrying about what could go wrong. And so you have to upgrade your operating system um, to this awareness, this effortless mindfulness that embraces um, those fearful parts of you rather than identifying with a part. So one part might be worried and fearful, but if you're aware of it from effortless mindfulness, you're like, oh, okay, I can see how that part's afraid, but I'm here now and I can, you know, kind of listen to this part that's afraid and worried about situations, but not get on board the train of fear. Just kind of let it, let it be dial dialogue with it, not ignore it, not, um, but not identify with it. Find this, which can be aware, um, the central you. What is the best way to connect with you if someone wants to find out more and continue this conversation? Sure. Yeah, you can go to my website, which is uh, lockkelly.org. That's L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y.org. And I have events and uh, audios and videos and um, uh, link to my book and all sorts of things that are available. And, uh, you know, I travel around uh, Europe and all over the States. Uh, so. Hope to see some of you at a live event. Cool. And this is finally, what is the one question you'd kind of wished I'd ask for, I'd ask, or after the interview, you're sitting there and go, oh, I can't believe you didn't ask about that, or I wouldn't say <laughs> that. So is there anything that is, is like nagging for you there that you think, I want to get that across? Yeah, just this, uh, you know, kind of like, what is awakening? Because this kind of, you're using the word awaken alpha, and I use the word um, how to live an uh, awakened life. Mm -hmm. So awakening, you know, is um, a shift from a, this small separate sense of self into this greater essential 
self that's both embodied and interconnected, that's living from a freer place of love and um, is already within us. So there's kind of an awakened being waiting to be free. And the role of a teacher is to kind of introduce you to your own inner teacher. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Locke. All right. Thank you, Adam. Really enjoyed it. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This episode is sponsored by TEDxCelerator. Do you want to do your TEDx talk? If the answer to that is yes in any way, shape, or form, or you've always thought that would be a cool thing to do, TEDxCelerator.com is live and open and taking enrollments for the last time this year. All the information is there and I'm offering idea clarity calls. Let me hear your idea. If you've got something to share, amplify your message, enhance your impact and ultimately income as well. So if that's something that interests you, please do go and check it out. So we've got case studies, we've got testimonials. If that tickles your fancy, please do fill in the brief form and you can schedule in a time to speak to me about your idea. And if it is you know, something we can work on together or at least just send you in the right direction. You know what you're going to, you know, crack on with and do. So the time to act is now head over to tedaccelerator.com and you can go from there. Please do reach out and you can follow it across all the social networks, the TED, the TED Accelerator on Facebook, TED Accelerator on Instagram. That's T-E-D-X-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. I know it's a mouthful, it'd be on the show notes and I will speak to you all next week.